Hi everyone, I'm Lucas Mack and welcome to another episode of the Golden Rule Revolution, where inspiration and purpose come from treating people like people and nothing less. Today, I have one of my closest friends and really a spiritual advisor to me in my life. She's amazing. She is a well of wisdom and depth, and I'm excited to talk to her today. Lauren Zisler is joining the podcast. Lauren, how are you? I'm wonderful. I'm happy to be here. So we've known each other for a few years now. And, yeah. And uh, tell me, tell everyone, you know, how we met at, at ALA, which I've talked about um, many times on the podcast, the emotional intelligence training, but what led you to that path and how did you get to um, where you and I cross paths? Wow. Um, that's an interesting story. So actually I was going through one of the hardest times in my personal life and, um, someone who had been a spiritual mentor for me for about 10 years asked me if I would like to do the emotional intelligence program. And I said no about a hundred times, but she finally insisted. So I went through, I had an amazing experience at the time. Um, my mom was passing, she was in the process of passing away. So it was a very emotionally intense trauma for me. And um, so when it completed, I decided to come back and be of service. And I, and I did that a couple of times. Ironically, both classes that I ended up with in, I met two of my closest friends, you and uh, someone else from a different program. And, um, you know, you and I didn't really connect much in the container. We didn't really talk much during your process or anything. But then one day, I think you had been graduated for a month or two. Um, I got this. Are you okay if I tell the whole story? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. I got this. Um, I was in prayer and meditation and I got this really deep knowing that I needed to call you and uh, share some things with you. And I remember that one of the things is that I was supposed to tell you to throw a book away that you had written. And I didn't even know you had written a book. Um, I just, that was what I was told. And so I remember I called you and we had this incredibly powerful conversation. And I just said, um, I know this is going to be weird, but I feel like God's telling me to share with you that the book you wrote is not the book you were supposed to write. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. And it's, and then you need to throw it away and start over. And, um, and everyone listening, I had, so I have a book out that's published called everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face that you can find on Amazon. But I was working on this other book called the golden rule revolution, um, discussing the three things you're told never to talk about money, politics, and religion. And I had written the entire book. I was going through the editing process with a professional editor. And then I was, the next step was to shop it to uh, book agents. And so it was already fully written. I'd already gone through the editing process when Lauren called me. And it's so funny because the book massively, massively triggered the editor of, and, and it did oh, the wow. opposite of what I wanted it to do. And, um, <laughs> and then you called me and, uh, and I had no idea about that. I just, it was, you know. good. I mean, and then I stopped the book and, and it wasn't the book I needed to get that out, but it wasn't the book that I was supposed to write. Right. And, and I think the message there was, um, you know, anytime I feel like, 
It's so interesting because anytime I feel like I've been given something to share with somebody about their experience, I know that it's just as important for me to hear it as it is for me to share it. Mm -hmm. So I always take something out of that. And, you know, the big message that day was to trust your purpose and trust your path and to say what was really on your heart. And, um, and that was something I needed to hear too. So it was like just Mm -hmm. beautiful, beautiful synergy, the whole experience. Yeah, I remember talking to you and and realizing I had written that book from a place of fear and not a place of love. And I wanted to I want to share from the place of love. And um, yeah, it's it fear is easy. It's easy to come from a place of fear because there's there's no work. You don't have to do anything. Fear just can exist if there's no love. And so I was writing that book from a place of trying to protect people from bad things happening versus coming from a place of love and bringing good things to happen. (laughs) That was the difference, I think, and a big perspective change for me. Yeah. And I think fear is also easier for us as individuals because we, it protects us. I mean, as individual people, It's this false sense of security or control where love is very vulnerable and it can result in pain, you know? And so the interesting part is that most of the time when we act from fear, we end up creating more pain than if we allow ourselves to be vulnerable and just act from love. Yeah. That's one of my top listened to podcast episodes is Dr. Jenna Scare, who the top, the title is uh, why pain is good. Um, and she talks about physical pain yeah. as an indication of something. The body's bringing attention to something. So when we try to avoid pain, it's usually when we avoid healing as opposed to focusing on the pain and letting it be a, an indication or, or a signpost that something needs to change. A messenger. Yeah, a messenger. Um, and then one thing that, and I want to keep hearing your story, but one thing that you also shared with me and deeply, deeply made an impact on me was you telling me to listen to the audio book conversations with God. And I have never, I will never forget walking, going on and listening to that book. And so many things expanding for me, shifting for me coming into clarity for me. It was really powerful. How did you first hear about that book? Um, you know, I can't really recall. I think I just kind of happened upon it. I don't really recall how I heard about the book. Um, it could potentially have been through one of my mentors, but I just remember that when I listened to the book, there were so many things that deeply resonated with me and not everything, because I don't think everything it's going to ever resonate with everybody, but, but so many things just powerfully resonated with me that I was like, wow, I wish more people would read this book. And then you and I were just in conversation one day and I was, I just felt compelled to say, this is an incredible read. You should really take a look at it. And the reason that I love it so much is because it's very much about your internal relationship, which to me is the most important thing on the planet. You know, you can follow all the rules or, practice the religion or, you know, do any of the things that you want to do, whatever, you know, your personal spiritual path is. But if the external doing is disconnected from the internal connection, 
you know, it's kind of like that saying faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. Well, the work isn't in the doing outside. The work is in the stillness inside. Yeah, that's right. It's in the surrender. And, and that book really just outlined that for me in such a big way. It was just like, you know, everything. One of the most powerful lines in that book for me was this. Your experience is your greatest teacher, yet you choose to ignore it. Mm. And I was like, wow, because my experience had told me that in the quiet of my soul, what my higher power was directing me to do or, or leading me to do was the right thing. But then I would get really concerned with out here and what other people would think and what other people would say and how that would land for other people. And then I would change what I thought I was going to do. Yeah. And that was just such a huge moment for me where it was like, no, trust your experience. I've shown you over and over again what it looks like to trust your experience. And, and then I thought, wow, this is so powerful. So I, I'm really glad you got a lot out of it because I, I personally did too. So I yeah. love sharing that with you. Yeah, it's uh, very powerful and profound. And um, especially for me, I had read, I, I say this often and, and I don't, mean this as a badge of honor i just mean it as a a data point but i had read the king james bible seven times cover to cover in 14 years i had never missed a morning or night praying on my knees without exaggeration i had not missed a night of praying on my knees morning or night um for five years straight i had fasted from sunday night to tuesday morning only liquid I mean, I went hard down the external and what's sad and why this book was so profound for me, and truly it is sad, a look back, is I hated, because uh, here's the thing about kids who are abused. They don't look at the abuser and say, what's wrong with you? They look at themselves and say, something's wrong with me. Right. And the more prolific the abuse the longer it happens that some there, the loving oneself is eviscerated. That, that is not even like, what do you mean? Love myself. Um, And so in the religious, and I went so hard because when I attempted suicide at 20 and didn't die, I did believe for, I mean, I was the prayer around the flagpole kid. I led, I was worship leader in high school at my church. Like I really have always loved God. Like I love God and I hated myself. So the night I attempt suicide and don't die, I saw that God was real. And yet that's when I went really hard on the external fasting, reading, praying, consuming all the all of Wesley's work and Spurgeon's work and Finney's like all these great Christian fathers of the past and all the all these things I I mean and yet I still hated myself my prayers when I prayed is rip the roots of sin on my heart kill the flesh kill me kill me kill me I thought if I could just be like ethereal skin to the Holy Spirit if I could just kill myself inside so much and deaden my my soul deaden my I wouldn't have said it like this but in reality that's what I was trying to do like deaden that still small voice inside of me because it was if I truly listened it was crying out in pain but I kept trying to abuse it to get it to yeah. go away 
And yeah. that book was, I mean, that in a lot of things, ALA was so powerful and, and different things. But that book was the very first time I had heard a different perspective about God and the Bible and and whether people believe it or not, it didn't matter. It was just a gentle perspective. It was just a different perspective. And it was gentle and it was beautiful and it was internal. And it yeah. was like, wait, if my body keeps the score, which I know it does, then my soul body, my, my experiences, my thoughts, those are part of me. Those are telling me something. And uh, it was just a beautiful book. And so I highly recommend it to anyone listening. Yep. You know, one of the gentle perspectives that really supported me in that book, and I really just had this total aha moment around, was shifting the Ten Commandments to the Ten Commitments. Yes, that was good. And, you know, I've had a, I've had, I have a pretty broad spiritual belief system, and I was raised Christian, of course. You know, I, I grew up in a very conservative town, raised Christian my whole life. Um, and I have no angst against any religion. But what I loved about conversations with God was that it was so it was so gentle that anyone could have heard the shift from the Ten Commandments to the Ten Commitments and really have gotten in their soul yes. that being in relationship with your Creator, whatever you choose to call that, the name is the name, you know, yeah. universe, spirit, God, whatever. Yeah. When you choose to be in co-creation with this, the energy of creation then you won't want to steal or adulter or cheat or lie or hurt someone else because you'll value life and you'll value relationship and, yes. and you'll have gratitude for those things. And I was just like, oh, that makes so much sense because it takes us out of the place of wrestling with ourselves, like about, you know, if you take adultery into, into let's just talk about that one. Like yeah. we're human beings instead of beating yourself up for having attraction to someone who's not your spouse or thinking thoughts, you know, you can have this understanding that there's a piece of you that needs to connect deeper with your higher power right. to alleviate that. So you're not in this, like, I'm a bad human yes. rigmarole that doesn't really work. That's you, know? Right. you know, it's so good. I'm so glad you brought this up. So one of my closest friends is a Hasidic rabbi that I study with. I haven't, he moved out of Seattle um, to Baltimore a couple months ago, but we studied yeah. every single week for four years wow. and we learned together. And I asked him about, because he's in, in the book conversations with God, God says to, to the author, um, um, you know, you've called it the 10 commandments. I've, I've called it the 10 commitments or whatever. And so I asked uh, Rabbi Brody, I said, what does the Hebrew actually say? What is it called? Cause it's not said Nowhere in the Bible is it like, well, and Moses wrote the Ten Commandments down. It just, it says, and God, he wrote these things down. It's not like branded as anything. And, uh, and Rabbi Brody said, actually, the word yeah. is utterances. It was just 10 utterances that God gave. It wasn't, it like, I was like, utterances. Yeah. I can choose to commit to an utterance or not, but it wasn't a directive of command. And that was a different thing. Like God uttered these 10 no. things and we can, re, you know, receive them or not. We can choose to align with it or not. It just, again, a different perspective of versus command, like command, command and control is fear-based 
leadership. I knew when I, when I was, I was just going to say that I had him. I was just going to say, I want command and control. When I go command and control yeah. my kids, that is, fear. I, you know, lose like control, which hasn't happened in a long time. Thank God. And when I used to like enough, I said enough. I'm like, Whoa, that's just me and angst and me. That's fear-based command and control versus all right, what's happening in me? What's happening? And so it's so interesting. I think we're at this time and place with, I mean, certainly with the virus and with the craziness that's going on and the angst that people have, the old religious institutional narratives I think are being exposed right now. It doesn't work. Or it doesn't work. It doesn't work. What are you going to do? Yeah. Are you a magician? It doesn't this work. Is what I have to say to, I share with my Christian friends. I grew up in a Christian house where magicians, magic, incantations, spells, the occult, witchcraft, um, pentagrams, all these things were evil and satanic and dark. Evil evil right yep. and yet <laughs> yeah and yet is it any different for the person to say oh, i'll pray for you and i'll heal you and god it's wait is that a white form of what you're saying it's all yeah yeah just connect with yourself love people love god if you so choose or love your higher power or love your higher self or receive love and connect with yourself this is the whole duty of man i believe yeah, it's to get still and get quiet. It's yes. to make, you know, the, I love the way Joe Dispenza says it. He's one of my favorite meditation. I follow his meditations very closely. I just adore him. And one of the things that he says is, make your inner world more real than your outer world. Mm. And that so deeply resonates for me because, you know, I'm, I know you get this. We both have three kids. We both have a spouse. We both have a lot of beautiful, like we have a gratefully, beautifully full plate in life. Yes. Yes. And you know, that can very easily distract you from what's really real. And what's really real is what's, what you're being led to do from the inside. And if you never get still and quiet and distract from that, then you, you know, you don't have peace. I can always tell when someone doesn't have a deep spiritual connection because they don't have peace, mm. not because they're, you know, it doesn't, it's not necessarily like denoted by the fact that they're bad people. They could be very yeah. good people, but right, they lack right. peace right? because they're not connected to that internal guidance. That is such you know, good, and it's, that's such it's interesting, you know, you're just, Go for it. Go for it. Sorry, sis. Go, go. No, no, you're good. I was just going to say, you know, when you were talking about like, you know, the witchcraft and this and that, and you know, it's so funny because I had this moment the other day where someone said to me, oh, it's 555. That number in the Bible means this. And I go, interesting. Because in the back of my head, I'm thinking, so if I had called that numerology, you would have had a completely different reaction to that. Totally. Right. Like the reality is, and I truly believe this, we all have a piece of truth inside of us. Mm -hmm. We all come here with a piece of spiritual truth that we're intended to experience in this lifetime. And we don't know it all. And yeah. whatever resonates for us resonates for us. Ultimately, yeah. what's important is that we all are still and 
quiet and spend time in prayer and meditation with whatever creative entity we believe in so that we can have peace and live from a place of love. Now, does everybody do that perfectly? No, no, we do not. I do not do that perfectly. No, we're all in practice. (laughs) No, we're all in practice. Yeah. You know, I used to, I used to say we're all in the same tunnel and like some cars are just a little bit more ahead, but we're all in, and that doesn't mean really ahead. It just means in a different place, Yes, you know, because something that you and I may not struggle with, the person next to us may struggle with, and we may not struggle or we may struggle deeply with something they don't struggle with. So hundred percent. Yes. I've always felt like spirituality is a really, I'm just going to call it out. I'm just going to say it because I got myself on camera today. So I'm just going to talk about it. it. You know, a big thing for me is every time I have a baby, I gain almost a hundred pounds every single time. Mm. Yes. To all my health and wellness friends out there. I know this is a wellness issue. Like I'm aware we've been working on it for a very long time. Mm. It's not an overeating laziness situation. I balloon up in ways doctors cannot even like they scratch their head at it. Mm. And every time after I have a baby, I do the work to lose the weight. And it's a really big mental process for me. It's a, it's a mental, spiritual, emotional moment by moment surrender. Mm. And I don't struggle to be spiritually connected. I'm not perfect at it, but that's something that comes very, like my life doesn't function without it. And I'm super clear about that. So Mm. I don't wrestle with it. I'm just constantly trying to surrender on a deeper level. But, you know, I know lots of people who don't struggle with their weight and they don't, they struggle with that piece. So thank you. Yes. I just think it's part of being a human. It's like struggle. Because no, only dead people are without struggle. Word. <laughs> Straight up. That's and my, I love Funny. Rabbi Brody. He's been one of the most, um, shout out to Rabbi Brody. Uh, he said, he asked me one time, have you ever seen a bird fly with one wing? I said, no. He said, exactly. It takes yeah. two wings and both wings create tension. And that tension creates lift. Without tension, there's no growth. There's no lift. There's no okay. elevation. There's no, uh, there's no higher perspective. Tension is what brings our lift. So for the person that strives like I was yeah. for so long to be holy and truly, truly, I thought if I could just overcome like one or two more things, I literally would achieve perfection from a state of, I didn't swear, I didn't drink, I didn't blah, 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 blah. I mean, I didn't, what I did not do, but what I did was I was angry. I was, I was hurt. I was, you know, it's like when I let go of all that. You were judging yourself super hard. Not just myself. Yeah. Everyone. I was the most prolific. If I seriously thank God, stoning is not legal. (laughs) Because I would have been like uh, um, a joker. I mean, it's kind of funny. The movie Elf, when when uh, Buddy the Elf builds that snowball and that guy's running away like in Central Park and he tags him from a long ways away. I was a prolific word stone thrower. Yeah. And I was – and uh, in the Christian narrative, I have led a lot of people to the Lord. A lot. Hundreds, 
hundreds yeah. of one-on-one soul winning. I used to like, but what I was doing was not from a place of love. I might've thought, I might, I know I would have said, yeah, I love God and God loves you. But I didn't know love. I was searching for love. Yeah. And I felt like if I kept doing enough, I would finally receive love. And it wasn't until I literally surrendered everything, everything, everything. And continue to surrender everything moment by moment. You know, we talk <laughs> yeah. like I still have to surrender things. But it, now I'm at the what I will call a healthy perspective on, oh, I just need to surrender something, not, oh, what do yeah. I do? Yeah. You know what I call that, Lucas? I call that compassionate awareness. Mm. You moved from forcing yourself into, you know, I need to surrender this or, or I need to get this perfect into, okay, so what am I wrestling with? Mm. What's causing me pain here? What's it trying to teach me? Right. Where can I let go? And it's just compassionate awareness because, you know, something I always tell people, if you're wrestling yourself, half of you is stuck to the mat. Mm. Like if you think about a wrestling match yeah, and one side of you is over here and one side of you is over there and you're wrestling, one side of you is stuck to the mat. You're not free. But when you can move into compassionate awareness, then you create a new level of freedom in your life where you can be a human and screw things up and just make amends. Or, you know, I mean, you know, I had a, I had a psychologist once tell me the very worst thing I could do for my son was apologize for my ill behavior because I would discredit my authority with him. And, you know, I remember just thinking that didn't feel right in my heart. No. I didn't agree with that. 100%. So I, I, one day I got mad at my son for something that <laughs> was just stupid to get mad about. Yep. And I went to him and I said, you know what? I just want you to know I'm so not perfect mm. and I'm a human being and you know, I didn't handle this well and here's why and here's what I was afraid of and none of that has anything to do with you and I, and I just wanted to apologize. Yep. And it was this moment where I felt this huge sense of relief not about the way he received me, but that all of a sudden I didn't have to pretend to be the perfect parent who had it all together. Mm. I could just be a person doing my best to guide and raise another person. Right. And that's it. Gosh, you know, and it was just, it was just so, vision. so big for me. Cause that was a huge shift. You just gave me this vision. Uh Oh, we cut each other off. What'd you say? I, you just yeah, gave me tell this me. vision. Um, we're not perfect campaign and everyone to opt in and say, I'm not perfect. The amount of teen suicide and child suicide right now, all, although there are many influences and many factors, my personal belief is the biggest influence of that is parents not telling their children that the parents aren't perfect and the chair, the children feeling a sense of my parents are perfect. I am broken. Something is wrong with me. I have no friends. I've been isolated at school. I've been bullied, but I am not perfect. Like my parents call me to be and claim to be by omission of saying that they're not perfect. And I am a huge believer. I tell my children, 
I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. There is not a perfect person on planet earth. All we are is humans experiencing this life. And my job as your father is to do the best job I can, but I am always apologizing and it's become less because the more I heal, the less I have to, you know, I don't, blow up. I don't get as angry, but there were times where I'm like, I really had to apologize. And the biggest, um, and I just see a stadium full of people like opt in, raise your hand. Like I'm not perfect. And just accepting the, Oh, the humility and the love that could sweep through a stadium where people are like, I'm not perfect. And everyone raise your hand just now. Now you can receive that love. And I was watching Pinocchio for the first time with my kids the other day. And I, I was quote unquote, the word spanked is such a freaking ridiculous word. It's a made up word. It was actually the origin. The epitomology was to strike (laughs) horses, to make them run faster. You spanked a horse while you rode it to make it run faster. And we we took that to children. Um, but I was quote unquote spanked, but with belts and I was had stripped naked and bent over a bed and I was hit with, with belts and one time a bullet. And I reference this sometimes, but I never did that with my children. Yeah. What I, but I thought it was the right thing. I, I thought this is how you're supposed to parent. And I, I was spanked, but I never touched him with an object. I would like tell them, all right, I'm going to have to spank you now. And I would like give him a little pat on the butt with my hand. Usually I never hurt them. I never even, you know, I yeah. felt terrible. I did it with my first yeah. daughter for a few years. My son, who is two years younger, I did it five times with him. And my youngest has, it never happened because I went through the healing. I, I stopped doing yeah. this stuff. Right. Um, so we're watching Pinocchio the other day and I started crying because there's a scene in Pinocchio where all the clocks start going off and there's a mom who pulls her son's pants off and his bare butt and she's hitting him. And my youngest daughter, this really responds like, what is she doing? And I was like, wow. And yeah. I was like, Oh, that's what parents used yeah. to do to their kids. She goes, will you never do that to me? And I got choked up because my yeah. oldest and son were like, you know, you did that to us. I said, I never pulled your pants down. I never, you know, and I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that I ever did that. You are never worthy of being hit. You are never, no one should ever hit you ever, ever, ever. And I'm so sorry. And I share this story. Actually, I've wondered when I was going to share the story about Pinocchio because it was profound. This is just two weeks ago. Um, Yeah. My kids know that's not okay, but they also, I apologize to them and they will never grow up thinking they have to be perfect. Okay, that's it. They will grow up knowing that compassion yeah. and love. But if I had not broken the cycle, I would have I would have continued that cycle of why you're not perfect. I'm going to hit you. you you're going to be hurt or scared or intimidated or threatened or there's going to be something if you don't perform to a certain thing. And then that totally, that's where the yeah. verification of the internal voice and the yeah. external doing this comes into play. Yeah. That's something Michael and I talk about a lot is really just like, we believe in structure and we believe that your actions have consequences Yes, and they're either consequences you want or they're consequences that you don't want. That's right. But we don't want our kids to 
do as we ask them to do from a place of fear. We want them to do it because it's the right thing. Like, you know, I just ask my kids all the time. Like I've really, you know, my kids are getting older now. Gosh, it's so crazy. I have a tween. Um, and you know, we've really just kind of shifted into this way of letting them experience how they feel and bringing their awareness to it. You know, my son comes out one day and he goes, can I have M&Ms for breakfast? And I said, um, okay, anyone who knows me knows that like, we don't keep crap food in my house. My kids eat really healthy. And so it was almost a joke that he asked me, uh -huh. um, but he had some like Halloween candy or something. And I was like, yeah, go ahead. And I mean, his jaw just hit the floor. And I said, if you really want to do that to your body, then that's your decision. It's your body. And then an hour later, he's just super sick because he didn't have any water. It was the first thing he ate in the morning, right? So he's like super sick. And he comes to me and he's like, I feel awful. And I was like, huh, I wonder what did that, you know, and just kind of having the conversation with them. Yeah. You know, and, and my son, like he has some emotional outbursts and, you know, he'll, he blew up on me a couple weeks ago and just said some really painful things to me. And I just stayed quiet the whole time. And he came out to me after a few hours and he was crying and he said, he's so sweet. He goes, I put a Grand Canyon size hole in your heart. Mm. And I said, no, I'm okay. And he goes, I didn't, he goes, I don't like the way I feel about me when I treat you that way. And I was like, yes, that's the point. Yeah. The point is, is that when you mistreat other people, you mistreat yourself. Yeah. And to just yeah, really cool. like be in that space with them, because the way I was raised was very much the same. Like we, yeah. we got whipped with belts and yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I lived in prison pretty much my teenage years. I was grounded all the time. I ran away back in the day. They used to put runaways on the news. I was always on the news for running away. Mm. Um, and you know, I mean, it was just, it was like a prison. My house is like a prison and it, it wasn't fun for me in those times. And I was really struggling. I wasn't trying to be disobedient or be malicious or I was in pain and I was acting yeah. out Yeah, yeah. and nobody really got that. Nobody got that, but I was in deep pain. I was self-harming by the time I was 13. I mean, it was just like a really big struggle for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just remember I stopped eating dinner with my family when I was like 12 because I just couldn't handle the like rigor of the proper etiquette. Like I would get in trouble if my napkin wasn't in my lap and my fork wasn't set properly. If I mm -hmm. took too big of a bite, my dad would make a comment and heaven forbid I spilled some water. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just got to this place where I just didn't want to be around my family anymore. And I just really am so grateful because everything that I've been through in healing my personal life has just given me this different perspective on being a parent. Yes. I don't do it perfect. Amen. I said something the other day that really hurt my son's feelings and I had to go back and apologize. But, yeah. you know, it's just, this is the process. Yeah, my hope right. for my kids is that they heal on a deeper level than I've healed. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, that's and then great. they take their parenting to the next level of connection yes. and healing and happiness. That's right. that's right. You know, that's all I can hope for them. That is, um, that's, and really that's all there is because healing, their healing, the deeper healing is a deeper sense of knowing is a deeper inner world. It's a deeper, and it's all good. It's all good. There is no perfect yeah. human. There is that 
narrative is the greatest trap. There is no, love is perfect if it's unconditional in the truest sense of love. But our ability to receive yeah. that and give that is a journey of our own internal healing to create greater capacity inside ourselves to receive more there that we can give more. And um, yeah, I just, first of all, I just, I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful for your friendship. I'm thankful for your processing your own health and healing and then, you know, walking and sharing with me. And, and now we're sharing with people all over the world right now. And that to me, that's a life well lived, not what we look like, not what we sound like, like just to share. This is real. We are real human beings, real thoughts, real concerns, real belief structures, real walls, real tearing down those walls, real past, real. And yet right now in this moment, sharing the journey is the greatest gift that we can give ourselves and give everyone else. And yeah. Um, yeah. I just thank you for coming on and thank you for sharing. I'm sure we will do many, 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 many more of these. And eventually when we do our live events and, and speak on stage and, and uh, do a lot of cool things together, the I'm not perfect campaign, <laughs> that will be a beautiful day. And I just, I honor you right. for coming on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm Thank so, you, Lucas. It's been awesome. You're one of my favorite people. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. Thanks. Oh, it's such a pleasure having Lauren on. Everyone listening, this this conversation that Lauren and I had, this is the journey. This is, you will never reach a state of perfection. The moment you think you do, you really are going to find that you have a great healing in front of you. And keep going. Keep going internal. Keep looking and listening. and keep. Keep just loving yourself and whatever created the lack of self-love, the lack of you're worthy, you're beautiful, you're touchable, you're wanted, you're desired, you are good, you're true, you're you're valid. All the those are good. Those are what you get to say and think and believe and speak over yourself. And anything that is antithesis, antithetical to that, you get to reject straight up reject it. I reject, and this is what I teach at the men's retreats. We say, I reject fear. I receive love. I reject whatever someone says that causes pain. I reject that. I receive love. And I do not let things that hurt reside in me. I get them out of me verbally, audibly. I speak them out, get out of me. I may receive love. And that is my encouragement for you today. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Lauren for joining and make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Follow me and follow Lauren on Instagram. I'll put her handle out there. We'll put her information out there and let's continue the journey to treat people like people and nothing less. I'm Lucas Mack and I'll talk to you on the next episode.